You're listening to Unexpected, the podcast bringing you real conversations from those of us who have suffered pregnancy and infant loss. With comfort and hope for the future, I'm your host, Ashley Bitterman. Today, I'm talking to Arielle, a victim of recurrent pregnancy loss who's had to endure two miscarriages, a molar pregnancy, and three medical terminations due to a rare genetic disorder known as Tay-Sachs. So, Arielle, we have a mutual connection who Mm -hmm. introduced us because, unfortunately, all of us have experienced some form of pregnancy loss. Mm -hmm. And before we dive into the heavier part of the conversation, let's start with one, two, three. So what is one thing you can't live without two of your all-time favorite movies and three celebrities you'd want to have dinner with? Oh, this is a tough one. Um, What can I live without? Music. I really can't live without music. Oh, what kind? Anything. It really is like mood dependent and it's gotten me through some tough times. Um, Just, you know, lyrics resonate with me and yeah, music. Such a great answer. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's so therapeutic, Mm -hmm. Um, whether you're like angry and you just need to listen to something like, like head bang to. Like rageful, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Or you just want to cry and listen to a sad song and yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. such a good answer. Great. And two movies that are your all-time favorite movies. Oh, I'm such a terrible movie person. I tend to fall asleep watching movies. So this would be a tough one. I'd have to go back from like high school days of, or like, like even earlier, Girls Just Want to Have Fun was one that comes to mind that I watched often growing up. I don't think I've ever seen that. Really? It's a good one. It's an old, it's a classic. Okay. I'll check that out. Um, and Beaches is another classic. Oh, that's like Bette Midler Beaches? Yeah. Okay. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I go way back. I haven't watched movies in a long time. <laughs> you can't go wrong with classics. <laughs> yeah. And then three celebrities you want to have dinner with? I think Oprah would mm-hmm. be one. Of course. Right. Um, pick her brain. She's so knowledgeable. Um, I think George Clooney, just because he's great to look at, you uh, know. Just, yep. Can't go wrong there. in his life too and Christy Teigen ah yeah for various reasons like I was following her for a while now I'm not following her anymore so I like just like dinner with her to talk about something check in yeah catch up yeah. so I'd love to know just a little bit more about you before sure. we really dive in so what was your upbringing like and did religion play any role in your life sure yeah absolutely so I grew up in a small little uh, town in Connecticut. And um, yeah, religion played a huge part. I'm Jewish and I grew up with one of four Jews really within my high school. It really wasn't a Jewish place. Um, there wasn't a huge Jewish population. And that was always different for me. Um, I never really thought anything of it other than I did you know, face anti-Semitism often um so that you know people would say like a Jew or wear your horns and I didn't understand I just didn't get it so yeah that was tough um and I really felt like being Jewish I because I grew up in that world that like I felt like I had to hide who I was um I never I 
had a hard time finding like my Jewish identity, I guess, so to speak. So when I picked a college, my focus was very heavily on like a Jewish population that I could find and feel comfortable. And I ended up going to Binghamton, which is a very big Jewish population. Yeah. Uh, and even there, I struggled. I was like, ooh, I'm not like fitting in with the religious people. I'm not fitting in with the non-religious people. Like, where do I sort of fit within this group of people that identify themselves as being Jewish? So I tried going to the Chabad. I tried going to the Hillel. I joined the Kosher Kitchen. I just, you know, got involved in the Jewish community. Um, and I can't say I ever really like found my place, but what I did learn throughout that journey um, and, and post-college was that everyone has their own journey and it's okay, whatever it is and wherever you are. And uh, it's a work in progress for life. So that's been helpful sort of realizing that, that I don't have to like be jappy or I don't have to do this or, you know, I don't have to be kosher. I don't have to like you know, be Shomer Shabbos or whatever it is to feel Jewish. I could be me and just be like true to who I am and my beliefs. Yeah, I I love that. I also grew up one of few Jews in my high school. Mm -hmm. I did not face the discrimination that you're talking about. So I consider myself very lucky, although it sucks that I have would have to consider myself lucky for not facing that. Right, right. Yeah. Um, But that's, that's disappointing to hear. And I'm sorry yeah. you did experience that. And um, you, I mean, it sounds like you did take the time to try to go on that journey and mm-hmm. figure, figure it out a little bit. So now moving a little bit more to today, you mm-hmm. currently have one daughter. Right? I do. I do. A three-year-old girl. My little love. So was she your first pregnancy? No, she was my third actually. You have quite a history with pregnancy loss and most people don't have to experience a loss like this even once and nobody should ever have to experience it at all. Mm -hmm. But you have had to endure that pain over and over again. So can you start with your first experience? Sure. So the very first, like to talk about where we sort of are, um, I found out that I had a gene called Tay-Sachs. How did you first discover that you had the Tay-Sachs gene? Yeah, so my dad, when they were pregnant with me, I guess that's when they started testing and they found out that he had the gene, but my mom didn't, so everything was fine. So then when my sister who's older was getting pregnant, you know, or trying with her husband, she got tested and she was fine and he was fine. So when I got tested, I didn't think anything of it. I'm like, well, you know, like I probably don't have it, but if I do, who cares? Like my husband doesn't have it. Um, So I got tested and I found out I had it. And when I told my husband, he's like, I've never heard of that. We asked his parents, they were like, we've never heard of that. Um, We we should be okay. What Uh, is Tay-Sachs? So Tay-Sachs is a genetic disorder essentially where the baby in the womb the the fetus is totally fine and healthy developing completely normal as any other fetus would you could deliver a normal and healthy baby and then within six months uh, around like the six month mark it could be a little bit later their organs start to shut down and um, they start to like 
So basically a way to identify it, if, if you didn't know, is there's a red dot in a child's eye that would identify that they have Tay-Sachs and they start regressing. So things that they were doing at six months, they start slowing down and can't do those. And then ultimately they end up passing between two to three years old. Now there are cases of like delayed onset Tay-Sachs, um, but for the most part, it's a, a grueling sort of death oh, for the gosh. child. Yeah. It's horrendous. Yeah. And my understanding with Tay-Sachs is that there is some association with being, I think it's Ashkenazi Jewish. Yeah. So being Ashkenazi Jewish, it's a higher population, but then there are other pockets like in Louisiana and, and some just other places, uh, Canada, that there are other pockets of it, but yeah, predominantly than the Ashkenazi Jewish panel. Okay. And mm -hmm. what my understanding is, if one, one of the partners is a carrier, but the other one is not, the child cannot get it. Yeah, they're fine. So if they got, yeah. So if they got the gene, like I have the gene, it wouldn't affect anything. Um, unless, you know, down the road, making them aware so that they would know to get tested and their partner tested. Okay. And if, so your husband said, okay, I don't know what this is. I've never heard of it. Never heard of it. So it's actually a week before a wedding. So we were getting married. I was in, I got my dress at Kleinfeld. I was in the city going to pick up my dress, which wasn't ready. So that was so stressful as is anyway. <laughs> um, you know, like a week before the wedding, they had to tailor it more and alter it more. So oh, that was so stressful. stressful. <laughs> so I was just like walking around the city at that point and I get a phone call and they're like, oh, your husband has Tay-Sachs. And I was like, what? Like, no, like what? Like that can't be. So I call him and my husband's super positive. He's like glass half full, I'm glass half empty. And that's sort of how we work well together. He's like, it's fine. It's no big deal. Don't worry about it. Of course, I go into panic mode of like, what does this mean for our future? So I set up a doctor's appointment. I don't know how I got in so fast um, for that Monday morning. So I was getting married Thursday, July 3rd. So it was that Monday morning. I had an appointment with a fertility clinic to go in with my husband to talk about our options and wow. like, what does this mean? Because I just didn't know and I wanted all of the like options available yeah. right away before we got married. Like going, I mean, okay. not that it would change the course of, sure. of the wedding, but yeah. just to yeah. have an idea of like what that would look like. Totally. Yeah. Um, and when, you know, when we spoke to the clinic, they were really helpful of, we could uh, connect you with people that have experienced the loss. No one really, it's never really a good thing, you know, through IVF, they're able to um, basically like only give you embryos that don't have the gene in it, right? They could test for it. They could test the embryos. So it sounded great, right? Sound like a good option. Uh, but the odds of having a baby not affected by Tay-Sachs is 75%. So, yeah, so it's in your favor, right? So 75% chance. So my husband and I, as we got married and I, we decided to wait because I don't know, you spend your whole life trying not to get pregnant. So who <laughs> thinks that, I don't know. So we, we waited a little bit um, and then we found out we were pregnant and we decided that like, if we are going to go to Vegas and someone said you have a 75% chance of winning, if you throw your money down, we would throw our money down. So we 
got pregnant and we um, were excited to have a, a little boy, what we, what we hope to have. Um, his actual due date was today. So he would wow. be five today. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we found out about 16 weeks, around 16 weeks in that he had Tay-Sachs. So my gene and my husband's gene. So he had both. So double carrier. Um, and I had to terminate. Okay. So I want to make sure that I understand the science of it. Sure. So if you, you have the gene, but mm-hmm. you don't have Tay-Sachs, you're a Tay-Sachs carrier. Carrier. Correct. And your husband, same thing is a Tay-Sachs carrier. Correct. So if you were to have a baby, would that baby always be a Tay-Sachs carrier at the very least? Yes. Okay. But if both of you pass down the gene, is that what then classifies that baby as having Tay-Sachs? So the, a double carrier, meaning that, so no matter what the baby would have Tay-Sachs, but if they found the same mutation within, so like this double carrier, that's when, um, that's when they would, that you should terminate. And how do they test for that? So it's a really annoying process because it's called a CBS test. And I don't actually know what it stands, chronovilla, something like whatever it stands for. So it's before an amnio, you know, an amnio is later on. A CBS test is around 12 weeks. You could get, you could start getting tested depending on, um, they like to wait a little bit longer just because they want to get more fluid. So essentially what happens, you go to the doctor or whoever is going to perform it. It's sort of like an amnio where they put a needle within your stomach, they're using ultrasound to guide it, and then they're pulling out fluid and they're testing it. And then it goes to a lab and then they look to see whether or not the baby has, um, it's just a Tay-Sachs carrier or a double Tay-Sachs carrier. I see. And did you do this because you're both Tay-Sachs carriers? Yes. Okay. Yeah. But you were told 75% chance the baby will be fine and normal. So what is it like when you get those results back? So, well, the first time I got those results back, um, I remember hiding the pregnancy because it was my first pregnancy and people tell you to hide it, right? You don't want anyone to know what you're going through. Um, So I was at work and it was hard, like one, it was hard to hide because I like felt like crap all the time. And I was just like eating crackers and bread and like gaining weight rapidly and just like not feeling good. Um, And I didn't tell anyone. And then I remember the day that I found out I was getting ready and I didn't know when I was going to get the results back because this was my first time going through it. Um, I was getting ready to eat lunch. I was telling my friends I was starving. I was like, I can't wait to eat lunch. And then I get a call and it's a no caller ID and my heart just sunk. It was just like, this isn't going to be good. So I shut my office door. I pick up the phone and it was my doctor. It was amazing. Um, and he was like, Ariel, I'm so sorry. Like, I need to let you know that the baby's a double carrier and we have to terminate. And I just like, I just didn't know what to do. Um, I still had meetings to go to. Oh my gosh. So I called my husband and I told him and, and I didn't know what it meant either. Like, what does this mean to terminate? So 
you know, he had me, the doctor had me come in after work or whenever I was able to leave work to go start the process mm-hmm. of the termination because it takes a couple days. Um, so I told a couple coworkers because they're like, you're so hungry. What's going on? They came to knock on my door. Like, why aren't you coming in for lunch? And, and I, yeah, and I told them I went to a meeting and then I went to the doc, straight to the doctor's office where they started the process. Wow. So you had almost no time to process this. No time. No, it's just, yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So I feel like when you're going through the physical parts, which is something that I have also gone through. So I know what that Mm -hmm. process is like. Mm -hmm. You're so, at least in my, in my experience, Mm -hmm. I'm so focused on what's happening in my body physically that I wasn't I was so my emotions were like detached from the process as it was happening because it was just like so many things are happening to my body. Right. When do you feel like you actually started processing what had just happened that you lost your first baby? I don't think I ever really have. I think now I'm starting to, I really don't think, I think I've really learned to disassociate and just sort of like put that trauma to the side and just keep living life um because at that point I found out in May so it was it was like the end of May it was actually after Mother's Day um and that was really tough too because within the Jewish religion you don't exchange gifts and you don't do anything because you're not a mom yet right like it's superstitious like there's all this superstition so it was hard to sit there and like watch everyone exchange gifts and to just feel like, oh, I can't wait for that to be me. And then to know that that's ripped away soon after. I mean, luckily my sister's amazing and like always gives me like auntie gifts. So like, which is nice, um, but it's just hard. You know, it's just, it, it was a hard, it was a hard process. I took a few days off work. I went to the beach and cried a lot. Um, and then I just, went to work and just kept going just sort of like put it behind me and what's our next step like at that point those five years ago you know five and a half years ago I was like what what are my next steps like what do I do next how do I have this family that I like so desire to have like what can I do did you feel any type of option was presented to you I mean it sounds like your doctor called you and said we need to terminate yeah is that, was that the only option? So we talked about it prior. Um, I met with my doctor initially when I, I, so I changed OBs um, before I was even pregnant to someone that was a high risk doctor. We talked about like what happens if I had this baby. And the reality is I am watching this baby suffer and <sighs> die. And I, I couldn't do that. And he agreed. Um, and he's also a high-risk doctor, so he's seen maybe not taste but other things similarly where people would have to terminate, and, you know, usually that was, like, sort of the way to go um, for the parent and for the child. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, and did you feel any judgment from this, I'm putting decision in quotes, because it clearly was not a decision, but either from people that you knew or elsewhere? 
I really didn't talk about it with people. Uh, so most people didn't know to judge. I felt like I would be judged. So um, I also was pretty private about it because again, like everyone tells you not to talk about it, right? So now I'm going through this and I'm not talking about it. So my two coworkers that knew um, because they wanted me to come eat lunch, one of them was like, well, what if you just have the baby? Like, well, like, can't you just have the baby? Like, just have the baby. Like you, and I was like, I can't just have the baby. I was like, I, I understand where you're coming from. Believe me, I wish I could just have the baby. I, I can't just have the baby. Um, so yeah and other than that like most people no, no one knows I mean even most of my high school friends don't know what I've been through a lot of my friends don't know I'm just starting to to share yeah my gosh that's such a, a burden to carry that's five years yeah of this grief that you've mm-hmm. been carrying mm-hmm. and what what do you think is the main reason that you haven't felt that you wanted to share? Is it from a, a fear of judgment perspective? Is it just you aren't ready? Um, you're not comfortable? I think there's a lot of judgment. I think um, I just feel like everyone talks about like not talking about it, right? Like not talking about these pregnancies and these pregnancy losses and the things you experience. And I also have felt, and, you know, as my story will continue, I felt over the years, this, this like judgment within like either terminating or miscarriage or the timing, right? Like whether it's four weeks, whether it's eight weeks, whether it's 20 weeks, whether it's like, I felt like sometimes people compare, right? Like a few times I have shared, I felt like there's this comparison and, and no, like within my background of, um, you know, I'm a school counselor and stuff like comparing is never good, right? Like comparing is only pointing out the negatives and the differences in something. It's not pointing out, you know, people really have a hard time pointing out the, the positives or like how you could really bond over something like this. So I just felt like, you know, when I shared my story a couple of times, someone was like, well, I was like this many weeks and this happened to me. And this was what my body felt like. And then you wouldn't get it. And it sort of like put a bad taste in my mouth of, well, you're right. Like I wouldn't get it at the same time. We both went through a loss and that loss is awful. And it's, that's, um, that's where we can sort of like come together versus like seeing the differences and things. So I just, yeah, I think that's yeah. such a good point. Well, first of all, yeah. we all find out we're pregnant in a similar way that yeah gives us the same sense of excitement, you know, that that loss, whether it happens a week later or 30 weeks later is still just as valid and still just as devastating. You had that same level of excitement in the beginning and you start planning your future and you think ahead and putting things in place and it's still ripped away from you. Whenever it happens, it's ripped away from you. And I think it's interesting. You have this background of as a school counselor and Mm -hmm. you are able to basically what you're explaining is you can define what it means with these comparisons that you're saying you're pointing out the negative and I think if everyone had the training of being a school counselor maybe we would all be more open and willing to share our stories but people are not trained in how best to respond. So it, it then silences people because 
we're afraid of what the reaction is going to, or the response is going to be. Right. And even the questions like, why did you have to terminate? Or what if you just had the baby? Or how could you do that? Um, you know, I, I wasn't, and really haven't been ready to be faced with those questions. I, I totally get it because I shared my story in a very public setting on Facebook mm-hmm. and I got a lot of those questions yeah. and a lot of them came from parents of children with special needs mm-hmm. saying, you know, you didn't love your child right. and how could you do this? Right. And what am I a horrible person because I had this child that I love? You know, all these questions that I understand from their standpoint Mm -hmm. after you have the child, of course, like you can't, it's unimaginable Mm -hmm. to think I would never have had you, but it's it's not necessary, um, that type of questioning. Um, And it's hurtful, Mm -hmm. it's definitely hurtful and I, I totally understand the hesitancy to open yourself up mm-hmm. to such questioning that doesn't help you heal. Yeah. Um, that being said, 99% of the messages I received were overwhelmingly positive and awesome. compassionate. So yeah. um, whenever you are ready, if you are <laughs> ever ready and you don't need to be, but whenever you are, <laughs> there are people who are truly just kind and supportive and you just need to weed out the ones that don't matter. Right. Right. That might be a good way to cross off people off my birthday list. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Okay. So then you got pregnant again. So then, yeah. How long after this first loss that you never even processed, did you get pregnant? So we actually did decided to do IVF the second time um we decided that I didn't want to go through that again that was a nightmare um and I so we went through like rounds of IVF um and we ended up coming out with only luckily only three embryos that were um okay normal in a sense of not having Tay-Sachs okay so at that point so this was now 2017 so I was due 2016 um November 16 2016 2017 we went in for a transfer and I was under the impression that IVF was this magical science that if you pay for it and if you do it it works right like you're paying a shit ton of money mm-hmm. and you are there playing with your whole cycle there everything is to a science to a t so it has to work that's really really the impression that I got like I I went into this thinking like this has to work even though they give you like the percentages and it's actually less percentage ha- having a baby than it is having a normal healthy baby for <laughs> the, the Tay-Sachs um but I just really thought that like you're putting in all this money you're doing all this stuff it has to work right So we went in, we had our best embryo, a little girl, and we um, put it in and I went for my like checkup or whatever it was routine for them to see how it's going. And it turned out there was nothing there. It was a chemical pregnancy. Oh my gosh. 
Yeah. So I would, and the doctor at the time didn't have like the best bedside manner. So he's in there doing an ultrasound and he's just like looking around and it's quiet. And I know what to look for now that I've experienced being pregnant and being almost 16 weeks pregnant. So I, I know what the yolk sac looks like. I know that the different things. So as I'm looking and there's nothing there and he's being so awkward, moving things around, hemming and hawing. And I'm like, there's nothing there. It's like, I had to call him, you know, say it. And he's like, yeah, no, there's nothing there. Um, and then he said, well, let's wait a few days and let's just stay because we've seen this before. Sometimes this happens with cycles, like let's give it another few days. So my husband and I went back and nothing there. So um it's like a roller coaster because you yeah you want to hold on to hope I'm sure but yeah. you also don't want to get your hopes up after right. being told there's nothing there so how do you how many days went by before you went back I think it was about a week max it was a week um so yeah I mean it just again sucked it was just like another like gut-wrenching punch to the stomach of of like where's this family that that I've wanted my whole life. I mean, if, if if you knew me, I was that person that I worked with special needs kids in fifth grade. Like I've always wanted kids. Like I've just been that person. And I met my husband later in life. We were 32, I think when we got married. So it was already, I felt like I was behind the ball with like trying to like have like these healthy pregnancies within a certain age. And um, yeah, so it's just like another like punch to the stomach of, I don't get this. Why is this happening? Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it should never happen. So now yeah. this has happened to you two times. And what you're saying is so valid that like, I paid my money. They're right. doing it through it's science. science. Right? Like, like, like we're all getting a COVID. Work? We're getting shots. We're getting vaccinated. It's science, right? It has to work. You, you hope and you pray. And I mean, throughout my whole journey, like everything that keeps coming back is hope. Like there's just like this constant feeling of hope right um that I just really can't shake right I'm just hoping just continuing to hope so yeah. and I'm I'm glad to hear at least you haven't lost that yeah. in all of this and slowly dwindling yeah I I, yeah. I mean I imagine after going through what you've gone through so now you have two healthy embryos left what happens with those two so after that pregnancy that didn't work, my husband and I were like, let's just take a break. Let's just, you know, we've just gone through a lot. Let's just take a break. Um, and I don't know where, when, or how, I mean, I know how we got pregnant. I don't know where, when it sort of happened, but again, we found out that we we're pregnant and this was naturally again. And so we had to go through the whole like waiting game. And my husband being the optimist that he is was like, this has to work. And I thought really like this has to work too, right? Like it has to work. We had still the same odds, right? 75. Yeah, still 70, each pregnancy is 75% a chance of you having a healthy baby. So it's like, it has to work this time, right? Like, could God really do this? Again? Right. Like, you know, as a spiritual person, I'm like, could, could, could whoever it is, you know, really put me through this. Um, and I again, was hiding the pregnancy and didn't tell anyone. We told our families, like, after we did the test, you know, after we did the CVS test, while we were waiting for the results, 
and it was actually back to school night and I went to get my everyone went to go like get food and hang out before and I was like oh I don't want to be in a social situation I went to get my nails done and I got a call from Yale so I was like oh maybe this is good news because it's not the doctor calling so I got a call from Yale where I got the CVS test done and they were like oh I just wanted to tell you that your baby's healthy and you're going to be having a little girl and I was so excited I I was like beaming I left the nail salon called my husband we're so excited I was like whatever you do do not tell anyone the gender because we found out the gender from the test I was like whatever you do don't tell anyone and of course he gets on the phone he calls his mom and he's like we're having a little girl (laughs) he said he got so excited he just couldn't help it um so and then I had to call back my family because I told them I can't tell you what we're having but then when he spilled the beans I was like okay fine we're having a girl right. um so I like went back to to back to school night with a extra little like pep in my step and just excited holding on to that news and I actually didn't tell people I was pregnant until it was like very obvious that people were questioning it because mm-hmm. I was so scared to lose it. I was so scared to experience what I've experienced again, that I, again, um, and this is all like, when you go through trauma, you sort of like dissociate, right? So like I dissociated the pregnancy again, like I was enjoying every meal that I ate. Like I was like rapidly gaining weight. I gained 60 pounds throughout the pregnancy. I was like, I don't care. Like I am doing this and I'm just going to pretend that this like doesn't exist within me. It wasn't until I was in labor at home um, when I called my doctor that morning because it started the night before and I called at three in the morning. They said, okay, call us back. And I called at seven or like five or six in the morning. And they're like, I'm like sitting on the toilet. And I'm like, I don't know what's happening, but like everything's coming out of my body right now. Like what's going on? And she's like, well, um, she's like, I'll get uh the doctor I'll let him know you'll go to the hospital we're going to celebrate a birthday today and at that moment I lost it at that moment I'm like this is actually happening I'm actually having a baby that was the first time it really clicked so that's 40 plus weeks that I was having a baby I just cried and cried and cried and was like I'm really having a baby that is like the moment the moment that it was like holy shit like this is happening like I'm really, this is, I'm actually having a baby. Yeah, that you probably like made it. thought yeah. wasn't going to happen there for a yeah. little while. Yeah. So what was it like, the moment that I think so many of us women wait for our whole lives is to have our baby placed on our chest? The, the best moment. It, it was, I just cried and cried and cried holding her and yeah I I won't ever forget that moment yeah I mean that seems like such a such a deserved moment after the trauma the pain yeah Yeah. the loss and the the not allowing yourself to feel to then be given this moment of just pure joy and love um is so amazing and um I feel like what so many people especially after loss wish for but even before right so your journey to motherhood really hit like a peak at that moment right and then you're on the path to continuing that yeah 
So you still have these two healthy embryos because you had gotten mm-hmm. pregnant naturally. What is, what's next in your journey? So that was 2018. So um, I find out I'm pregnant again in April of 2019. So just shy of my daughter's first birthday. So we find out we're pregnant. We're really excited. We go in for our first ultrasound and there's nothing really, there's something there, but it doesn't look right. So the day before my daughter's first birthday, um, so we find out that this baby is, it's called a molar pregnancy. And again, a molar pregnancy is also one of those rare situations that happen where two sperm somehow get through. And so this embryo or whatever it is, is, has double the amount of chromosomes that it should have. So it's not viable. It's a not viable pregnancy. And it sort of looks like an ultrasound, like Swiss cheesy-ish. And it's not like a, a healthy, there's no healthy baby in there. So I go through that weekend of celebrating my daughter's first birthday. We have a birthday party at a local firehouse with like 50 of our closest family and friends that have no idea that I have this Thing in me that has to be terminated oh. on Monday or like taken out um, and so I went through and just trudged through as I normally do with a brave face and just shoving it all down and I went in for an in for a DNC oh my so, god like, yeah I feel like you've had so many moments of needing to suppress your feeling yeah. and hide what's happening with your body with your mind how do you do that? I don't know. I think you just, like, there's a saying that, like, oh, like, when people are like, you're so strong, and I have to be, right? There's like, what's the other choice? Hmm. I have to still get up and function. I still have to be a mom. I still have to work. I still have to be a wife. I still have to be a friend, a sister. You know, I still have to go through my life. So I sort of just looked at it like, just trudging along like this is just another blip in that radar of life of like shit that you go through that will somehow somehow something good will happen right like in my mind I'm like oh you go through all this bad stuff something good will happen down the road yeah and when you go through recurrent loss like that so now this is your third loss Mm -hmm. each a little bit different yep are you more jaded by it at this point or is each one harder and harder um I think I'm more jaded I'm more more I go into so that that feeling of hope right like you find out you're pregnant you're hopeful but that hope is also quickly diminished by reality of this can be taken away from me at any moment so while there's like this hope I feel like there's hope always for me to be pregnant Mm-hmm. But the hope of like having a baby or having two children, that's sort of gone, right? That hope of having a family of four. Um, but the hope of like being pregnant, that hope of like, I don't know, that's, it's, they're two different things. Like I could see myself being pregnant. I can't see myself with the final outcome. And yeah, I guess I'm totally jaded because it's hard to be able to see the 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 full picture of it, of things progressing because I... I've had so many losses. Yeah, I mean, 75% of your pregnancies did not end well. 
Right. Which is a crazy percentage. I mean, again, no one should ever have to go through it, but to go right. through it now you're on three times is, yeah. is just right. so cruel. Yeah. And, and then you're, you keep trying. Um, so I found out I was pregnant again and I was like, this had to be it. My neighbor asked my daughter, what do you want for your birthday? And she's like a baby sister. And I was like, great, she's going to get it. Like, she doesn't know this, but yes, like, absolutely. So find out we're pregnant, go through the motions, go through the CVS test again. And I find out, I think it was at 14 weeks, just just about 14 weeks, I found out that the baby was a double carrier for Tay-Sachs oh, again. Yeah. So it was a lot of days of just really hard knowing that like this baby that's growing inside me again is a healthy baby. That, like I'm seeing it on the ultrasounds. I'm watching it suck its thumb. I'm watching this baby move around. I'm watching this baby be measurement wise great. Everything is healthy and normal to know that it's genetically fucked so to speak yeah I didn't know where to turn again I felt alone I have one friend that I sort of she's like my ride or die and I'd call her and just cry to her every day on my morning walk and um but I was listening to a lot of podcasts and the hard part about the podcast that I was listening to and what was really tough and I kept listening because I really no other place to turn was a lot of them and, and and they're great for what they're worth but there were a lot of them were based in the south and there's a very different mentality, a Southern mentality versus the Northeast mentality. And I really never realized it to the extent until this, till that termination last July. Wow. And I realized as I'm listening to these podcasts and these like people that experienced the loss, these people that were faced with a similar situation that I was faced with, they chose to have the baby. And whether it was their religious belief that told them to have the baby, whether it was just their culture, whatever it was, most of them carried to full term knowing that their baby would soon die, whether it's an hour after giving birth or a year or two. Oh my gosh. And that was really hard to listen to because part of me felt like, did I do the wrong thing, right? Like I'm trying to find all these outlets, finding people that could relate to me in a sense, or I could relate to. And they all had their babies and I was like I and you know they had their outfit for the hospital even just to put them in even if it was the stillbirth whatever it was they they went to full term and it made me question like did I do the right thing and it was really hard it was really hard for me um and it made me really appreciate living in the northeast um more than ever in terms of um people even talking about how they go to different states to terminate a pregnancy wow. for medical reasons because their state didn't allow it, right? So this it gave me this like as much as I want to move to Florida one day and <laughs> live in the sun. Um, it made it it changed my view of things. Um, and it also was really hard because I didn't feel like I could connect with these people that I was really trying and yearning to find this connection with. I, I right, find- because you finally find someone who's gone through yeah. something similar and they're making it seem like what you're doing is wrong. Right. I just can't imagine someone in your position who lived in a place that wouldn't allow them to make right. a decision that they feel is best for their child and their family. It's just, right. yeah. 
it's hard to imagine. It's just so devastating. Mm -hmm. So you had now, what is this, your third DNC? So that was my fifth pregnancy, my fourth. So I had two DNEs because once you're in the second trimester, it's DNE and one DNC at that point. Two DNCs because the chemical pregnancy that didn't really work, they ended up doing a DNC for that. Oh, so, okay. yeah. So I had two DNCs, two DNEs at that point. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And did you give yourself permission to grieve any of these four losses? Not really. Um, again, we were like still in the thrust of the pandemic and it was hard to really be around people. And again, I went through that, that period of not telling people that I was pregnant. So then it's like, you find out this news and then you just, you don't know what to do with it or where to turn. So I did, I texted a few people, like I have this text that's like ready to go out at any point of like, this is what just happened. And you know, I get texts back from people of like, I'm so sorry, you know, or I can't believe it. Um, yeah, I mean, you just sort of like, and then people don't know what to say, right? Like I saw a really close friend of mine that next day when I sent the text that I have to terminate with the baby still in me. Mm. And we like, I saw her and it was as if nothing happened. There was no like, I'm so sorry. There was nothing. It was just like, let's keep being status quo. Like, I don't think she knew what to do or say. So she didn't say anything at all. And that was really hard. Oh my goodness. It's, it's so true what you say about people don't know what to say. And that's another big reason why I felt it was really important to make this or start this podcast because Mm -hmm. when it happened to me, people didn't know what to say. And that's not on them. I mean, we aren't, we aren't training people to know how to care or comfort people in the wake of this type of a trauma. And that sucks because then you feel like, well, it's, it's awkward. It's uncomfortable. The people that you see they don't know what to say and then it's like this moment of just awkwardness and it's hard for them it's hard for you and I just feel like the more awareness we can bring and talk about maybe some of the things that that do help are there are there anything any things that you can point to or any words that you can suggest that might be useful for somebody to use when somebody they know is, has gone through this? I think a, hard, a difficult situation with all these losses was this questioning of what is wrong with me? What did I do, right? Mm-hmm. And I know I didn't do anything, right? Like I didn't genetically like do this, right? Like I, I know, I know like that it's not me yet. There's still this like questioning of like, did I do something wrong in my life to experience this? Or did I do something to wish this upon me? Or, you know, like I'm getting older, like, did I really maybe not want it as much? And this is why this is happening. Like you just start like sort of questioning everything. And did I eat the wrong thing? Did I drink the wrong drink? Like, did I drink that tea that I shouldn't have drank? You just really start to question everything. And what I've realized is that none of this is in our control, right? And 
that's the hardest part of life, like the uncontrollables. And I'm not a controlling person by any means. Like I, I definitely sort of like roll the punches, but this is like one of those situations that just like, I, I don't know, like I, I have a lot of faith in God and then you start losing faith in God because you're like, how can you, if you're God, how could you do this? Right. Or, but then I also realized like, I'm still brave. I'm still strong and I still can get through it and it sucks. And I have my horrible days and I have, I drink too much at times. I turn to other devices that are not healthy coping mechanisms. Mm-hmm. Um, after that pregnancy loss, I ended up getting into the best shape of my life, which was amazing. I really like turned towards just like running that I run anyway. And that was just like, I just kept running. I almost felt like Forrest Gump in a sense. It just like, it just keeps going sort of just like, like physically and emotionally, like just keep going sort of like saying that to myself and then just different mantras, like just trying to find, I have a huge quote person. I love quotes. Is there a, is there a quote that you really took to heart or you live by? Um, There's one that I actually took a photo of and I saved it. And I remember saving it being like, why am I saving this? Like, this is like, anyway, uh, it says one day he will tell your story of how you overcame what you went through and will be someone else's survival guide. Oh, that was the quote that I saved that resonated with me. And how apropos, because right. here exactly. we are. Exactly. Wow. I love that. That yeah. is so empowering. Mm-hmm. You just cannot catch a break. I can't catch a break. That was pregnancy number five. And at that point. you have had a sixth pregnancy. I had a sixth pregnancy. So July, we terminate. We decide to do IVF. We have that embryo. You know, we have our two embryos. So we're like, I'm not doing, I'm not going through it again, right? Like not doing this anymore. I can't do it. And I was pregnant. I found out I'm pregnant. I, they tell you not to pee in a stick when you go through IVF because it, you can have a false positive from, from all the hormones. So actually on the way to the doctor's office, it was November 30th um, to find out whether or not I was pregnant to take that, to have them draw the blood to see if I was actually pregnant. On my way to the fertility clinic, I get rear-ended pretty badly as I was turning in. I, I didn't know what to do at that point because I'm like, I don't know if I'm pregnant. I think I am, but like, I, I, I don't know what to do, right? Like, I don't, I, like, could this affect it? Is there, you don't know, right? Like now every question goes through your brain of like, is my, is this baby, if it's in there, okay, right? If there's, if it's a positive, is this baby okay or embryo okay? Um, so I decided to go to the hospital at that point to get checked out. And I called the clinic, letting them know I won't be there. I just got an accident. And, um, they said, have them check your levels and they wanted to do a CAT scan. Cause I hit my head pretty hard and they did a CAT scan, but I was so nervous. I told them, I think I might be pregnant. I don't know. I did IVF. So they put the shield on, whatever they did, CAT scan, everything was fine. And then the nurse came in to me and she goes, well, here's your blood work results. You're not pregnant. And I was like, I'm not pregnant. And she's like, no, you're not. So of course I'm in tears because now I, I'm, I think I'm pregnant. I'm not pregnant. 
just get in this car accident you know my car is god knows where at some auto body shop right you leave the scene and I, I just don't even know what's going on and I call the clinic and I say like my number is like 900 it was like whatever it was some number and she's like you are pregnant she's like you're pregnant like you are pregnant and I was like oh she's like that number is a great number and I was like oh my god so now I'm just like sitting there one minute devastated the next minute being like oh my god I am pregnant oh (laughs) my gosh so like again this like like I'm like up like roller coaster of emotions um it's not it's like one of those like you know the rides that just like give you whiplash like that's how I feel like through all this it's just like constant whiplash of and like actual whiplash mixed in yeah there. yeah um so I found out I'm pregnant I'm so excited I you know go through the blood work the numbers are rising great as the weeks go on and the following day I wake up and I start bleeding and I'm like oh no, like this can't be good. Like there's a lot of blood. So I get right into the doctor. The heartbeat's there. The baby's there. They say, go home, go to bed, like stay on bed rest. Like, let's just like wait it out. Yeah. Um, and within a day, I was, we were working from home again because of COVID. And so sitting here in this chair um, on a meeting with, parents and administrators and kids and just talking about their child and I am hemorrhaging I am miscarrying as I'm on a meeting um I told them initially at that meeting I said I am waiting for some appointment for some phone calls so I might have to duck in and out I just kept putting myself on mute and turning off my camera as I go into the bathroom as like more oh blood would come out and chunks would come out and everything would come out and I've never experienced blood loss like that in my life it looked like a crime scene it was I was eight weeks and I miscarried but I didn't know if I miscarried right because then you start googling everything and then you talk to friends that have done IVF that are part of all these groups and they're like well we've seen people that ended up having the baby when I went in the ultrasound from the day before was night and day. There was nothing there. There was nothing there. And it was a snowstorm and I came home and my daughter wanted to go sledding. So I went sledding and you just sort of keep going. Right. Um, But that was tough. That was, and as I say, I'm sitting on that chair because like this chair is a constant reminder. There's blood stain on it. Right. Like there's just like this constant reminder of loss. Um, you know, and you just sort of keep going, right? Like I'm in a meeting. I went back to that meeting and finished the meeting and- Oh my gosh. You just keep going. Um, And that, was there a reason for that loss? They don't know. They don't think that the car accident, they don't think it had anything to do with it. They don't really know. Um, And again, like, I was like, I don't get it. It's a perfectly tested embryo. I was pregnant. Like, how can a perfectly tested embryo like, how could I have a miscarriage? Like, well, then then that's where, like, the self-shame came in. Like, what's wrong with me? Uh-huh. What did I do? And there's really no explanation other than it happens. It just happens. Gosh. Like, how? <laughs> like, how could it happen, it's right? Devastation over and over and over again. Yeah. So, so July 1st, I terminated. November 30th, I had the miscarriage. And... 
at that point were like, I was like, I'm done. Like I said to my husband, I can't do this anymore. I can't do it naturally. I can't do it IVF. Like, like we're done. I just, I can't put my body through this. We've been pregnant six times and we're so fortunate to have our daughter and our, we want more, right? Like we just, we want another child. My daughter begs for a sibling. It's just, yeah, it's like one of those things you grow up with like, it's hard enough you know, waiting to find the husband and it's like waiting to have the kids, like all these things that you think are so easy and they are not. I take my daughter to Florida every summer for a girl's trip and oh, it's so cute. Yeah, it's fun. It's, we started with no kids. Now we, you know, now everyone brings their kids and it's oh, just, so it's cute. fun, but it's also a lot of like drinking and, you know, hanging out yeah. and once the kids go to bed and it, it's a good time. And I came back August 2nd and I felt so sick this past August. I was like, oh God, like, I think I'm just so dehydrated, right? Like I think, and my husband's like, no, I think you're pregnant. I'm like, I think you're out of your mind. Um, and he's like, no, I think you are. And I'm like, no, I'm just really dehydrated. Like if you only knew, right? Like I'm just yeah. I'm really dehydrated. Um, because I still had to be a responsible parent. So um, I took like a CVS brand pregnancy test and I was like, look, I'm not pregnant. And I didn't think I would be. And he's like, I see a faint little like plus mark. And I'm like, get out of here. Like threw it away, like whatever. The next day, so I'm chugging water all day, drinking like Gatorade, trying to like, trying to not be dehydrated. And the next day I take a test. I was like, let me just see, like, I still don't feel good. And I was pregnant. So again, walking into this pregnancy of holy shit, like I am waiting for the numbers to go up. Everything looks great. Each ultrasound, I go in weekly for ultrasounds. Everything looks great. Baby is beautiful. Another little girl. We're just so excited. Her due date's the day after my daughter's birthday. So it'd be like a perfect birthday present for her because she's dying for this little sister. And we have our, we do the CVS test again. And because of complications of the place where I got the CVS test done, not letting us know that insurance was pending, um, they, they failed to tell us that that was like a holdup. It took 22 days to get the results. And I got them only three weeks ago. I found out October 20th via online that I had to terminate yet another oh. pregnancy. Oh so my husband, I was so anxious. I knew I was getting the results that day after waiting and waiting and waiting and, and pushing and trying to find out when I'd get them. I had my husband switch with me for my daughter's swim class so I could go take a walk because my anxiety levels were so like at its peak and the day before I started feeling like I don't know if this is gonna be right and my husband called and he all I said was it's not good he goes it's not good so I pull up the results and it wasn't good and I called the genetic counselor and she's like I'm so sorry and I said well what, like now what do I do like do I call my doctor and again thank god I have my doctor's cell phone number <laughs> so I called and left him a message I called the office left him a message I let them know and I was like you have to get this baby out of me like I can't go through another five days I can't go through this like I just 
sobbed and sobbed and sobbed in a parking lot for hours. Um, try to figure out work, getting that situated. Um, I went in Thursday the 21st for like start the process and the 22nd that morning I had the procedure done. And as I have done so many times before, I go in with a brave face. And then as they wheel me to the OR, I just am hysterically stopping. And again, thank God for my doctor. He just holds my hand until I fall, until they put me to sleep as I just stop and then you wake up and you're like what just happened like how does this happen it's so unfair it's It's so so unfair unfair. and I it's almost not believable that it would happen that many times when the odds are I don't I don't believe it like I'm living in I often don't believe it it's yeah it's it's a hard thing to wrap your mind around that right that in a way you must feel punished it's it's such a torture that you're being put yeah. through over and over and over again when all you're all you're after is a healthy family which right. most people get without right. a pitch right and yeah it's just it's heartbreaking um I'm back to the point of this is it. This is our family. I can't take much more, right? Like I can't, yes, I have one embryo left, um, but the two other best ones didn't work. Why would this work? Like to go through the shots again and put my body through it again? I I don't know. Um, I, right now I can't do it. We'll see what happens down the road, but I can't believe that I just went through this again. Like this time, it has hit me so much worse. Um, and I think your initial question of like, how did you grieve or like, how did you get through it? Or I didn't until now. So I decided to take a leave from work. I'm on FMLA until after Thanksgiving. Good. Um, and I am taking the time to really try to process this. I mean, I've been in therapy. Mm-hmm. I went on Zolift. Zoloft last January, um, to last December to try to get through like that January due date that I knew was going to be really tough. Yeah. So as soon as I found out, I went back on Zoloft. So I'm on that, um, which I don't think is as effective yet <laughs> as I, I want it or need it to be. Sure. Um, and I, I think what I've realized, and which is why I'm so glad that we connected, I just feel like I've been so closed off with telling my story and I feel like once I am able to tell it it's gonna even though I'm completely vulnerable in this moment it's again like shining light to others and helping someone else and also like really just going through this shitty journey for the past seven years in total of finding out and trying and yeah so I'm glad that I'm doing this it's it's hard, but I'm glad that I'm doing it. And it's, um, you know, three weeks removed from the last termination. And um, I have my days that I am in bed and sobbing. And then I have days that I just draw my daughter off and like go take a walk and just pretend like nothing happened because I don't want to go there, right? Because if you go there, it's opening yourself 
it's opening yourself up emotionally and opening up those feelings. And if you don't go there, it's just easier to shut it down and to dismiss it. So I have to sort of like pick and choose when I want to go there. Um, today I had a doc yeah I had a doctor's appointment today and I really think gynecologist office offices should have like a pregnant waiting area and a non-pregnant waiting area yes because um, sitting there with everyone around you with like massive stomachs and like you're just like fuck all of you but like not really right like <laughs> but you just sort of feel that way like oh yes. um, like how like and I actually part of my process this time because again I haven't really dealt with any of them is I'm writing I'm writing a lot more I'm finding writing is an outlet for me so I wrote the doctor's office a note today um, and I brought them some cookies about my journey with them and how much how much they've impacted me in such a positive way and how it's been how they're just such a great group of women that have really been there for me and through it all from the beginning till this, till today, you know, from, and it's like how, just like how meaningful that they were and, and for the doctor, just letting him know that like each time he held my hand, like how much that meant to me. That is so beautiful that you can find the positive in such a sour heartbreaking experience that you can detach you know disassociate what they're doing from the experience itself because I feel like it would be easy to not want any part of them or easily associate them with trauma and heartbreak and the fact Mm -hmm. that not only can you separate the two but that you feel such this gratitude towards them is so beautiful and inspiring and I am at least you had that I mean at least you had a team that was supportive and caring by your side it's the worst thing to ever go through and that helps even just a tiny bit having the right people so I'm really thankful that you at least had them and I can't imagine the response you'll get from from them that you know it must be heartbreaking for them too to have to go through this over and over again with one of their patients I mean yeah it's true it's they they cry with me they hug me you know it's like there's just they don't believe it you know every ultrasound I'm in there it's a healthy baby I mean my last ultrasound I had with this little girl but she was so cute sucking her thumb I have I have a pictures after picture from each pregnancy each ultrasound each and it's just you know I've been trying what I've been trying to figure out is like how to honor these babies right and I feel that because I didn't name them and because I wasn't public with the pregnancies and because I didn't put on social media I feel like there's almost like I don't know even how to put it like it's almost like it's not real like it didn't happen it's like not meaningful and it's not true and I think it's hard like I you know I was reading a book um, about loss and it's like every time they experience a loss they name the baby they name the baby and for me that's just not who I am like do we have names in mind of course like but like I, I was I named my daughter 
they I literally waited until they like were going to kick us out and they needed that social security paperwork right <laughs> like it took a, it took a while and the the nurse like my doctor's wife who's the nurse she like solidified the name so like it took a team also right to like be able to to get that so for me like not putting a name to it it doesn't feel any less real but I feel like in a, a public world like because I didn't say so-and-so isn't here anymore I lost so-and-so it almost makes it less less than and that's been hard I, I feel like I've been experiencing that um which has been tough too because I, this this past termination was the first time that I let people know I had to let my work I had to let the other counselors know I had to let administration know because I am taking so much time off and I, there's also this feeling of because I'm taking off work, you know, like, oh, well, shouldn't you come back? It's a good distraction. You know, you can take your mind off things. But if I shattered my leg, no one would question it whether or not I was going back to work. Right. Right. But the fact that, like, my uterus is still contracting and I'm still bleeding, I just, you know, three weeks out and my boobs kill, mm-hmm. like, hurt so bad. I gained 12 pounds that I, slowly need to try to get off right um these like physical reminders i i just feel like people don't get it um and you should there should be no need for justification right that shouldn't even be part of the equation at all and yeah i totally hear you on them because it doesn't you haven't named them right or i didn't like make a shrine or something and I, and that's why I've been having this hard time trying to figure out like how to honor these babies for me like someone would suggest like getting a plant so I got a plant for the baby that would be five today like we have it downstairs it's like I make my husband take care of it it looks like it's wilting I'm like it's just like to me it's not like meaningful and then as it's wilting and I'm like oh my god is this a representation like and then I start adding meaning to it that it's not there and I'm just like I bought a rose bush for like that last year's termination I was like just not doing it for me you know so I'm still I'm still working on that process of trying to find a way to be able to honor these babies um and yeah, I, think I, yeah. I, think, I think that's great and I'll also say that you should never feel like you have to honor the baby because someone else thinks it's not meaningful to you. If it's going for a run because it'll make you feel better and that's the way of honoring your baby, then then that's the way that you do it. You do it on your terms. People who haven't gone through this, there's no way they could possibly understand it. And it's hard enough what you've gone through that you don't need the added pressure of, well, people think that I this isn't meaningful to me. Like, right. let them think that, you know? Like today I was so close to posting something, being like, you know, happy birthday and have, oh, like wherever you are to my little five-year-old that I never got to meet, but like, but then it opens Pandora's box, right? And I don't, I'm not ready for the, like, what happened? Where, or, or like, or why are you out of school? Like, I'm not ready for, there's so many people that judge and I'm not ready for the judgment. I'm not at a place that I'm strong enough emotionally to be able to receive that judgment and be able to let it just slide. So, right. It's a, yeah. that's a yeah. really vulnerable place that you'd be putting yeah. yourself in and yeah. you shouldn't ever feel like you need to get to that place. If right. it just stays between you and your husband, then that's where it stays. Yeah. And that's 
perfectly okay. This is your story and you don't owe anybody anything. Mm -hmm. And I am especially grateful that you feel comfortable enough to share with me because I, I really do believe in that quote. And I do think that you sharing, even if it helps one person, you've helped one person. Just like the important, like one, the importance of genetic testing. Like, I don't even think that's brought up enough of just people, you know, getting tested and just seeing. It's, it's hard. My daughter, the other day, she was sick last week, this cold going around her daycare. So I kept her out of school and and she was on the swing and she's like, mommy, why can't I have a baby sister? And I was like, Barry, I said, we, I said, we prayed. She goes, I know mom, I've been praying. And I said, I know. I said, we all prayed really, really hard. And it's just not something that we're able to do. We're just not going to be able to have a baby sister and mom and daddy love you. And this is our family. And she's like, but why is it so easy for my friends to all have siblings? And I was like, because some things come easier in life to others than it does for us. And that's just like how life goes. And it just breaks my heart each time. Oh my gosh. I mean, how do you explain something when it doesn't make sense? I mean, there is no explanation. That's, there's no answer. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's yeah. a hard lesson to learn at, at three, but right. hard lesson to learn it at, right. in at your almost 40, yeah. yeah. What prompted me to share my story originally was the Texas abortion ban. Mm-hmm. When I heard about that, I- Did it make you crazy? I was, <laughs> I mean, I was furious. I was devastated. Yep. I was disappointed in the country that I live in. Right. What would you say to Texas lawmakers to help them open their mind and ideally change their mind on the topic of abortion? I want to tell all those men until they get pregnant and know what that's like or have something important ripped away from them or God forbid their child ripped away from them or their parent or loved one ripped away from them that they don't have any right to make laws and make laws for other people that don't allow women to have a right. I just talked about how much my doctor and his office means to me and to think that I'd have to travel state lines to some random person and wait hours for them to terminate like this because for medical reasons, it just, I can't imagine the women that sit there and and have to wait and be alone and go through it. you know, I don't know what I would do without my doctor and without his support and, and the office's support. Um, yeah, because it's, so, it's yeah. already the, the worst experience of your life. Yeah. Yeah. And then to not even have access to it in a way that is humane, you know, yeah. it's just, it's unimaginable. It's yeah. so devastating and people don't get it. <laughs> And the other thing I've learned through all this loss is to say no. You know, I've always been a people pleaser and I've always been like, oh yeah, I'll do that. Sure, I'll help you. Sure, I'll do this. And I've realized like, no, I don't mean to. Like I have friends that don't know what I went through that just all had babies and 
I, well, years ago, I stopped going to baby showers because I couldn't and it was too hard and I lost friends and I couldn't bring myself to tell them what I went through and they didn't care to ask why I didn't show up. So just figured, you know what, it's just not a good friendship, right? Um, I lost friends from it and, you know, I had friends this past week it's like a big baby boom week of the of uh, birth announcements and I usually be the first to like deliver a meal or send a gift card or deliver coffee or do something and I'm just like nope I'll get there when I can and yes I just need to give myself permission that it's okay and if they think poorly of me as a friend then that's okay right um maybe yes no one day maybe not but yeah that's okay yes and you don't owe anyone right right that is also just so important to remind yourself of and if they find out then they'll find out and if they understand great and if not that doesn't I mean that's that sucks but that doesn't affect it doesn't make it wrong on you right you you don't owe people explanations. You don't owe people anything. This is your story and there's no right way to deal with it. So the way that you deal with it is the right way. Right. And then the other just thing is I didn't talk a lot. I didn't talk at all about it, but my husband going, you know, through this, um, he's, like I said, just such an optimist with everything. And he sort of just tracks along and really has to pick up the pieces when I fall apart we're sort of living our life right now um, as a family of three, like I'm changing, we have a three bedroom house. So my husband's in one room, my daughter's in another and or his work's in one room and we have a third room. And so we're looking at, it's like a guest room slash his, like his homemade office from COVID with like a, you know, a flip table that he just like makeshift table. Put <laughs> yeah. in. So we're like, let's really make this like a space right let's put the big bed in our daughter's room give her a big bed let's make this like a workout office playroomy space let's really like move forward with this and if if we have a child down the road we'll figure it out but for now I can't keep I it's been seven years of my life waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for a cycle, waiting to do the shots, waiting to find out, wait, waiting to deal with the aftermath of it that I I can't keep waiting anymore. I said like, this is it. Like we are gonna, every year I plan an, I plan an April break trip, but I, we never go because I've always been pregnant or had wow. a cycle or something yeah, yeah. that I was like, screw it. Like we gotta go, like it, this is the time now. I can't keep waiting. Like yeah. I can't keep, keep having my life like be on hold. Right. You just need to be here, like yeah. in this moment. And something else happens, then you'll be yeah. in that moment. But for now, just yeah. be here. And yeah. I totally hear that of just enough. Like yeah. it must it's just enough. And I I can't believe it's been seven years. I mean, that is yeah. it's just an it's unimaginable. You've been through just so much unfair, cruel crap. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's just, it's just, no one deserves yeah. to go through that. And you are a hero for 
still being mommy and a wife and a friend and a sister and a daughter and showing up as best as you can. I mean, after going through that, it's not, it's not easy to get up or out of bed. And the fact that you're still going through life as hard as it is, is, is true strength that not everybody would be able to to do. Ariel, I thank you so much for sharing your story with me. I, I wish you peace and whatever is meant to be and hope that you can start living in the moment and instead of family of three it's just family you know this is your family and it's a beautiful family and it let it be complete if it's complete and enjoy it while it is and if something else is meant to be then be there then but today be here and I am absolutely a resource to you. If you just want to, anything that you are feeling or did this happen to you or, hey, I'm just having a bad day and you just don't know who to turn to, I get it. And I'm happy to be that resource if you just want to text me anytime, um, hop on a call, like not an issue at all. I know that this is new for you and you haven't shared a lot. And now that you've almost like cracked the valve a little bit, you might want to share more or think of more things and feel free to always, always reach out and also take your time and be patient with yourself. And if this is all you ever want to share, then that's fine too. Thank you. I so appreciate it. And I wish you the best of luck. Yes, you too. And take care. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Unexpecting. Join our community by following us on Instagram at Unexpecting Podcast. If you'd like to share your story on our show, email us at unexpectingpodcast at gmail.com. You can support this podcast by visiting anchor.fm slash unexpecting. Be kind to yourself. Be patient. And remember, today's teardrops are tomorrow's rainbows. Take care.